0: Hi there and welcome to the Pondering Dam podcast where we talk all things teaching, education, pedagogy and technology. I'm your host, Danny Summerall, and if you're new to the show, make sure you leave a review and share with your peers. Connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at PonderingDan, as well as at PonderingDan.com. Something I've really liked and admired about some of my teacher friends is that they challenge the way I think about teaching and learning. We all have opinions about best practice, and it's all too common to get comfortable with one way of doing things. This can hinder our ability to consider different approaches that may benefit ourselves as professionals, and most importantly, the development of our students. That leads me to introduce my first guest of this podcast, Beck Spink. Beck is a principal of Spenceley Street Primary School in inner city Melbourne and is an award winning teacher and educational leader. I'm lucky to have known Beck since childhood and have been witness to the success she has had, and it's a real inspiration. Welcome, Beck.
1: Thanks, Danny. What a lovely, warm welcome. Thank
0: you. I'm excited that you're my first ever guest on this podcast. I
1: feel very privileged to be your first guest. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You are welcome. So, Beck, can you tell our listeners a bit about your education career and how you ended up where you are now?
1: Sure. So, um, I graduated from university at Charles Sturt University in Wagga, Wagga. as you know, back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, uh, in my last year of uni, I went on a bus trip, um, somewhat of an excursion, um, out to Western New South Wales where they were encouraging um, new graduate teachers to go and teach out there. And after that bus trip, I applied for a scholarship um, to go and do my last. Um, practicum out there and so I spent 10 weeks out in a little uh, school called Golgol Public School which was um, on the New South Wales side of the border so um, Broken Hill was like my head office um, so I got a, um, a scholarship to go out there and I spent 10 weeks out there and then um, I suppose lucky for me the teacher that I was working with um, that term ...was taking some long service leave and going to the States uh, for a term. And so they offered me a position. And then at the end of the year they offered me another position. And then at the end of that year they offered me another position. So I I found myself um, spending a few years out uh, in far west New South Wales... ...to start my career. Um, And then a little bit after that I kind of... ...I'd already kind of started doing a lot of presentations and workshops... ...and thinking about pushing... I don't know, my career in some kind of way. Um, And there weren't that many opportunities out there being so small. So, I moved to Melbourne um, and just took a risk, got a job um, at a school. Um, I applied to just any school. I didn't really think about it. I just knew I wanted to get here and then kind of figure it out once I got here. Mm. And um, that was uh, ten years ago, I think, now. Yeah. (laughs) and so I was a latecomer to the Melbourne education scene, um, but kind of found my way into lots of different networks and, and lots of different things quite quickly, I suppose. So, mm. yeah.
0: And then sort of moved your way up and found yeah. your niche.
1: Yeah. So, and yeah. Yeah. I um, Well, when I was still living in Golgol, I. Got onto Twitter and um, were following a heap of educators, and um, I saw the Vic PLN um, hashtag and started following that. And so I kind of knew that there was pretty cool things happening down here. And um, it wasn't long by the time I was here that I started meeting a lot of those people um, that I was following on Twitter in real life, as they say. <laughs> and um, <laughs> which and is always fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was really good. So I was going to teach meets and meetups and that kind of stuff, which is Sounds completely nerdy. (laughs) Um, But I loved it and, you know, some of those people that I met are now some of my really good friends. So, um, it's pretty great that that kind of network existed and I found it on Twitter.
0: Yeah, Hmm. yeah. And you actually introduced me to that sort of networking as well. So, my Twitter journey has been thanks to your um, persistence in getting me on there and meeting those people. So, thank you. No worries. (laughs) I still
1: remember your first teach me.
0: Oh yes, that's <laughs> right. I did a presentation on blogging, didn't yeah. I? Yeah,
1: at the museum was it the Immigration yeah. Museum? Yeah. 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 Thank you for reminding me. That was so long; I'd forgotten
0: about it. it feels like forever. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. So when I first started teaching in my last year of uni, I had a ten-week placement coming up, and I remember talking to you about, you know, my desires to move to Brisbane, and um, but they were going through a lot of changes education-wise, so there wasn't a lot of jobs in the city for new teachers, and you said to me, Danny, come to Melbourne, do your placement here in Melbourne and you might get a job here. So I did and I came to the school that you were teaching at at the time and um, obviously did all right and I got a job there and so I as well moved from country New South Wales down to Melbourne and and so my school was, uh, my first school was working alongside of you which I've got so many good memories <laughs> of and... So, having been lucky enough to work with you for those few years, one thing I always remember about our time was that you always made me think Mm -hmm. a lot. And I guess it's a legacy of working with you and it's really stuck with me. So, where did you really develop this drive to get teachers to think deep about pedagogy?
1: That's a very big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I've always been fascinated with learning about how children learn and and always pushing myself to think differently and um, always just going, I suppose, not the extra step but challenging myself, I suppose, and that's where it has to start. And I love learning and I love learning about learning and I love learning about how children learn um, and then I love being able to impart that knowledge onto others and then um, watch children learn given the experiences that... Um, you know, we design and we provide for them. So I think that um, having, I suppose, that philosophy and that belief um, in myself, therefore I kind of felt some kind of obligation that it didn't matter who was working with me, (laughs) (laughs) whether they liked it or not at some points, um, you know, which could be a good thing and a bad thing, but that I was always just trying to, ...make sure that we are doing the best that we could for the the children in our care... ...because at the end of the day it comes down to them. And um, I don't want to ever think that, you know, I haven't done enough. So, Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So, you were the person that made me think a lot. Did you have someone that sort of pushed your thinking a little bit... ...and egged you on to think deeper as a teacher?
1: I don't think it was really... One person. I think that there were a few people. Um, There was um, one person at uni and actually you might remember her. And if I get her name wrong, I don't know. Shirley Sinclair?
0: No, I didn't have her when I was there. Okay. I have heard you talk about her before. Yeah.
1: So, she um, was a lecturer at uni and I just remember sitting in some of her... um, It was actually a technology subject and... Um, i just whizzing all the way through it and, you know, having some great conversations with her. And I think she, she was probably the first person that um, saw something in me um, at uni in terms of, you know, thinking a little bit differently. And the other one... Um,
0: I think I know who you're going to say. Yeah, who? Yeah, Dr. Andrew Wallace. Yes, oh. exactly. What a legend, oh, right? He's
1: amazing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think between those two at uni... Um, You know, Dr. Wallace was the one that taught me about inquiry learning Mm. and the one that, you know, really challenged my thinking in regards to how children learn. And he was probably the first person that made me connect the dots between education, philosophy and practice. Yeah. So I think that that was quite special. Um, And then through my career, I suppose it's been different people in different conversations. So whether it's been some leaders that I've had or some peers and colleagues... um, it's just those ongoing conversations that you have with people about education and what we're trying to achieve, and I think that um, you can learn from that all the time.
0: Mm. And would you say that having that network of people to connect with through Twitter has probably helped as well?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, that because that was where those conversations all started. Yeah. Um, and then you meet them, meet these people in real life, and have these really great conversations um, about learning and teaching and and. I suppose, challenging the education system as we know it. And mm. so um, it always, I suppose, gives me that drive and spark to keep on pushing and keep on going.
0: Yeah, excellent. Do you think there's a danger in not challenging the thinking of others?
1: Um, yes, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely. I think that, well, oh, I suppose if... It depends on the person's philosophy and, and, um, way of thinking about education. Um, I think sometimes you can tell teachers that chose to be a teacher because they really wanna work hard and they really wanna, um, make a significant contribution to a child's life. Um, and I think that you can tell the teachers that got into it for the false sense of the holidays. And, um, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really, really important that um we notice that and challenge challenge that status quo um but you know nine times out of ten the teachers that i meet are in it for the right reasons um and i think that sometimes it's maybe they they didn't have that person to connect the dots for them around the you know connecting between education philosophy and what that actually means Mm. um in practice and so i think that we have a moral obligation as educators to, um, you know, help each other find those connections. Um, Because at the end of the day, like I said before, it's all about what we're doing for the children and making sure that the education that they're receiving is one worth having.
0: Mm. And I guess that sort of brings up the point that, you know, it's so important for graduate teachers to have good mentors, not just to show them the admin ranks, (laughs) but, you know... Get them to think about why they're doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree?
1: Always asking why. I think that's yeah. the best question. Yeah. Um, you know, why do you want to use that app or why do you want to, um, you know, teach that activity that way or why Why do you need to have it so structured or why mm. do you need to – whatever it might be. You know, I think um, a lot of teachers sometimes can fall into the trap of, you know, the whole Pinterest teacher kind of um, yep. – mode of working and and I think that I I get it I understand our our job is so hard and it is so ridiculously busy and there are so many different pressures placed on us from so many different people that I get why teachers might do that because it is that just that little bit easier Um, Mm. but at the end of the day I suppose you've got to ask yourself if that's the kind of teacher you want to be. And yeah. for me it wasn't and I know for you it's not and I know mm. for most of the people I work with it's not. So um, I think that we find ourselves in a good spot I suppose because I've seen some really great practitioners and I know that um, the teachers, so many t- different teachers are amazing philosophical educators and mm. and I think that that's just so important.
0: Yeah. I love that though, to, to stop and think, is that the teacher I want to be? Mm. I think I think we all need to do that. Even if we are the teacher we want to be, it's, it's always good to stop and reflect. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a defining moment in your teaching career where you stopped and realised you needed to change? And if so, what was it?
1: Yeah, I think um, in my first couple of years of teaching, I just did, you know, what I was told to do um, and you know, I followed all the school processes and procedures and um, I did everything that my mentor said and my leader said and um, to the point where I was teaching, you know, in New South Wales, prep is kindy, first year of school and um, I was a bit confused as to why they had maths textbooks which was basically just a whole um, book worth of worksheets and my, I did it, I followed the program, I did exactly what I was told to do and... Um, But after a while, I was like, what, why, why are we doing, why do Mm. I have to use this book? Um, So in the end, I found a way to basically, I would teach whatever I was teaching and then spend two or three minutes at the end and we would all fill out the boxes together just so, you know, of course I wasn't ruffling too many feathers, but at the same time, I knew that I could go home and sleep at night because I actually taught children um, some concept or, you know, I was able to. ...stretch their thinking rather than just teaching them how to fill in a box. Mm. Um, So I think that those kinds of experiences were the ones that were defining for me... ...where I was able to self-reflect and go, okay, Mm. right, something's not right here. It doesn't sit well with me. But at the time I probably didn't know what it was. Um, So it's just come with experience.
0: Yeah. And I think that's um, really important. You know, that whole self-reflection... ...even if you do it for five minutes at the end of a day... ...or at the end of a lesson for a few seconds... ...as long as you're thinking about what you've done... ...and if you're happy with it, mm. you know. Yeah. Because that will bring up the questions that you might not realise... ...you had in you as well about what you need to change. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, I think that was one of the early things... ...even when I first started university was always reflect. Mm. And I think that was originally why I started blogging. Mm. Um, and... Maybe now upon reflection there's there was a lot of power in that back then for me. Yeah. For me to get where I am. So, yeah. It's good. It's good to sort of find out these sort of things from other people. Yeah. Just to see if there was that defining moment and, you know, because I think we all have them, you know, and you're right. In your first year of teaching, you do what you're told mm. and you do what everyone else does because you don't want to ruffle feathers because you want a job at the end of the year, you know. Yeah. You don't want, you know, especially... You know, if you're on those on go- in those contracts that maybe only are for one term or two terms, yeah, you want them to renew it at the end, then, you know, yeah, yeah well, so keep going. A couple
1: of years ago, um, I did the keynote at DigiCon, yeah, and the title of that keynote was um, "Rebel, Reboot, and Reach." So, rebel against the status quo, reboot, do something different, and then you know, reach for something more. And I think that that's pretty much those three words is how I've would I've done my whole career. Yeah. Um,
0: Which kind of leads me into the (laughs) the other question I had here. So I'm going to ask it before you keep going. (laughs) Sure. Um, Because there's that one phrase that makes me cringe whenever I hear it... ...and it's, we've always done it that way. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on this as a teacher... ...or from a teacher or educational leader's perspective?
1: Well, I I know I think the saying um, continues... ...that it's the most dangerous phrase in the English language... Mm. Um, ...that phrase and I think I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, sometimes we've always done it this way is um, okay because it's it actually works. But sometimes and a lot of the time, especially in my experience... ...I've seen that it doesn't. Um, and I think that, you know, it's really important that we are constantly looking at different ways and I'm not talking about, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater or whatever that saying is, (laughs) Um, you know, it's not about starting from scratch sometimes, but it's always, you know, connecting to what you said before, reflecting on something, Um, you know, figuring out if it's the right way to go about it. And then um, if it's not, then having, I suppose, the courage to do something about it or ask the questions and, um, I think that courage is w- one of the things that I have had. Um, and I suppose one of the things that has led me to where I am in my career now because I've always had the courage to speak up and to ask questions and, mm. um, you know, I've sat through many a meeting and many, many a principal meeting and, and listened to fellow educators talk about you know, everything that's wrong with our system and, um, you know, and I get it because it's uh, like I said before, you know, I understand why teachers might choose to do things a certain way because it's hard, it's Mm. really hard. Um, But I, I remember a few years ago sitting in one of those meetings and I just said to myself and thought to myself, one day I'm going to be a principal just so I can show people that it can be done differently. Yeah. And that's... And here you are now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing anything differently at the moment. It's only brand new. Yeah. Um, but I'm absolutely loving it and I'm so excited about the future possibilities. But, um, you know, we can always do things differently and um, I don't ever want to be cynical. And mm. I think that that's so important. And I think the minute that I start to be become cynical about you know, our profession or our system, then it's probably time for me to get out of the job. Mm. So um, if you ever hear me be cynical, can you remind (laughs) me of that please? (laughs) I'll point it out, don't (laughs) worry. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for being my first ever guest on the <laughs> Pondering Dam podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm
1: very proud of oh, you and oh, this podcast. It's it's great you. work. Well yeah. done.
0: And likewise, it's been, you know, we've known each other for a really long time. You a know? very long time. Let's not even say the number. <laughs> but, you know, for me as well, uh, just watching you grow as a... As a young woman and as a teacher and as a leader and the influence, the positive influence you've had on other teachers, not just within your immediate circle but globally, is just amazing and you should be really proud of, of how far you've come. <laughs> You're making me blush. Oh, <laughs> I know. Lucky we're not recording. <laughs> So, if you f- would like to get in touch with Beck, she is on Twitter. I am. Her, it's at Beck Spink. That's right. That's right. Um, and if you have any other questions for Beck or I, you can e- email them to me. Uh, my email is ponderingdan.com. Um, and once again, to help this podcast grow, pre- please like it, subscribe to it, comment, rate it, share it. Um, that would really, really uh, be beneficial. Uh, but, Beck, before we go, uh, do you have any parting words?
1: Oh, parting words? <laughs> Um, I think, you know, your questions have pretty much summed it up but um, we're all doing a really great job and I think that we need to tell ourselves that more sometimes. Um, So keep on keeping on and and keep asking yourself why.
0: Keep asking why. I love Mm. that. Awesome. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Pondering Dan podcast, this very first episode. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. Tune in next week for more conversations around education. I'm your host, Danny. Until then, look after yourself. Bye. So thanks so much. Uh, Until next time, everyone, I'm Danny. Bye.